Amen. Hey, thank y'all. Band for leading us in worship. Y'all enjoy that tonight? That's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, well, to kind of introduce myself for those of y'all who haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Richard Cruz, and I am indeed the middle school pastor here at Southcrest. So uh, y'all pray for me, uh, hanging out with middle schoolers. It's a, a crazy job. I know we have some, some university students who serve in the, in the middle school ministry, and you guys are awesome, and who also serve in the high school ministry. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's really cool to be able to step in and, and, and really teach um, to university students in Brandon's uh, absence tonight. Brandon called me earlier, and if you know anything about Brandon, and, um, he's always usually super pumped, but he was like extra super pumped, right? Like the hazelnut pump that he gets extra in his coffee or latte or whatever he gets. Uh, he was so pumped. He's like, dude. I think it's going to happen tomorrow or something. And, you know, he's telling me all these things and we're talking on the phone about tonight. And he's like, man, I've been praying for you, but I could just tell you he's so excited. But hey, y'all be in prayer for Brandon. Uh, my wife and I, we have two kids and they're a couple years apart. But yeah, that's my babysitter back there. Well, not mine, right? But my kids, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, we have two kids, and I'm, those are hard enough, just having two, like, even that far apart in age, but having two at the same time, that's a whole other ball game. Uh, but if anyone can do it, Brandon and Lauren, they're, they're awesome, and so they're, they're going to do an awesome job, I already know. I see how, I see how much they love their, their dogs, so I know that, you know, they're going to be awesome with their kids, so Duval, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I'm glad to be here, I'm glad Brandon gave me a call and uh, let me uh, be here tonight, so y'all continue to pray for Brandon. Uh, tonight, I really want to uh, kind of discuss, I'm going to move this back a little bit because I like to walk um, walk around. So, um, really discuss what is the purpose of the church. And by the church, uh, I'm not really talking about the term ecclesia in, in the Greek, which means like actual building, a, a church building. I'm talking about um, what is the purpose of the universal body of believers, the church. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, you make up the church. And so... <clears throat> What is our purpose? Because I feel like uh, in college, when you, when you get to college and you're taking all these classes and you're trying to kind of figure out uh, what God wants you to do. And you have all these different things coming at you like, hey, if you want to have purpose or you want to be successful if you're, or if you want to um, fit in or, or, or whatever, whatever your dreams are. You have, to, you have to look like this. You have to be like this. You have to study this. Or you have to do this, whatever. Um, and so a lot of times... And I remember being in college myself. I'm still in, in college, but I'm not taking the 20-year route. So um, some of y'all are with me So on that. But um, what is my purpose in, and what is God calling me to do? Because I, I feel like sometimes we get those switched around. So a lot of times we ask God, God, what are you calling me to do? What is your will for my life? And a lot of times, well, we know from Scripture, if you ask God, he will reveal that to you. But God... Um, in that calling, we need to understand that we must first be doing what, what our purpose is as the church. And so our purpose we're going to look at tonight um, is, is really taking the message of the gospel, uh, both here locally and to the ends of the earth. And so in that purpose, we can understand then what is God specifically calling me to do. God specifically called my wife and my family here to Lubbock, Texas, uh, to be a middle school pastor. But in, 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 in the, the framework of the... Um, of my purpose that he has called me to. So uh, I want us to kind of have that understanding, have that mindset tonight. So what is our purpose? Um, I can remember, and I didn't grow up in the church, 
Uh, I didn't know all the Awana songs, all the VeggieTales stuff. I didn't know none of that. Matter of fact, I didn't even start going to church until I was a junior in high school. Some guy named Brandon Hayes invited me to church a long time ago. Um, that's a true story. And so I started going to church, and um, it wasn't until I became a senior in high school when God really got a hold of my life. He, uh, man, he radically changed my life. I was living for the world, living in sin, as you can imagine, uh, a regular high school guy. Um, and God completely just wrecked, rocked my world and, and changed my life. And so coming out of high school, when you start making those decisions on where you're going to college and what you're going to do, I honestly had no clue. Anybody ever been there? Like you had no clue what you wanted to do in college. Some of y'all still don't have a clue. You're going to change your major four times or something. Um, if, if, if you're like my brother, that's how he was. But uh, So I had no clue. I was really green and, 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 and really young in my faith. And I, I, and I was kind of still kind of searching, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you, what, what, first of all, what can I do? All right, there's nothing really special about me. And what do you want me to do? And I felt like I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and, and not understanding. So I started college and um, I was working full time. That's what my parents said, hey, you're going to go to school and you're going to work. Anybody working full time and going to school full time? It's not fun, right? I was working on the, on the weekends and going to school full time during the week. And that was not fun. So I did what any kind of normal person would do. I just dropped out all my classes and stuff uh, and majored in ping pong, right? So, uh, but that's kind of who I was. And because here's, here's the deal. I, I wasn't understanding what my real purpose was. I was searching for what God was calling me, but I wasn't understanding what my purpose that God has given me. I wasn't even sharing the gospel. I wasn't doing none of that stuff. I wasn't growing in my relationship with the Lord. And I was asking God, to, what's my calling? And he's like, hey, you can't even understand what your purpose is. What's, how are you going to understand what I'm calling you to do? Right? And so I was searching, so I dropped out of, out of school, technically, um, and started working full-time. And then through prayer and through really diving into Scripture and some godly men in my life and through my, who is my wife now, um, man, it's cool to look back and see how God really brought me from kind of this uh, guy who wasn't sure what, what to do in life to understanding what my purpose was and living for God and then God eventually revealing the calling on my life and which was going to the ministry full-time, going to seminary, uh, and then coming here from Florida to Lubbock. So, um, yeah, so people always ask me, why did you leave Florida and come to Lubbock? I'm like, man, it's the call of God, dude, I'm telling you. So, uh, but, so, I think a lot of y'all, maybe you can relate with that. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're kind of figuring out, man, God, I, I want you to show me and reveal what your calling is, calling is for my life, but if I could kind of, maybe see the framework of that and maybe look a little deeper, we must first understand what our purpose is as believers and as the church. Because if, if you're not doing those things, then, uh, you know, it, it's, it'd be naive of us to say, well, God, I, I want you eventually to call me here. And God said, you're not even working for me here. Why am I going to call you here? And so that's kind of the framework tonight. Um, someone who, who really understood that he had a greater purpose in life uh, apart from Christ in scriptures is, is Paul. I Many of y'all know who, who Paul is. And uh, I mean, Paul was this awesome dude, right? Uh, you, you really couldn't phase this guy. If you read through the, the, the book of Acts, you see that man, uh, when, when Paul was converted into a, a, a believer in the folder of Christ, he, he immediately he just went with the gospel, right? He, he went with to the Jews and the Greeks. He took it to the world. He, he took all these missionary journeys. But along the way, he understood no matter what life threw at him, no matter uh, what was going on in his life, he was still going to live with a greater purpose. 
than what the world could throw at him. If you read through the, the book of Acts, you see uh, that, that Paul was like beat up. He was thrown outside of the city, left for dead. They, they literally thought he was dead, so they moved his body out of the city. And he's like got up and dusted off and like went and stayed the night in the city and then went to another city the next day. Uh, dude was like thrown in jail. He was um, put on trial many times. He was shipwrecked three times. One of those times he was on this island. He got bit by a snake. Like this crazy stuff happened in Paul's life and it didn't stop him from living for God and fulfilling the purpose and the calling that was placed on his life. You could say, well, Paul, we're going um, to beat you up and throw you in jail. He's like, dude, that's cool. I'll just sing some hymns and con- convert all your prison guards, right? Or he's like, Paul, uh, we're going uh, to kill you. That's cool, man. To die is game, right? Oh, oh we'll, we'll let you live. Live as Christ, bro. Whatever. Right? Oh, we're going we're gonna to persecute you and make you suffer. Dude, that's cool. I, I don't compare the suffering now to the glory that's going to be revealed. Go ahead and do what you got to do to me. Because I understand that my calling and my purpose is greater than anything that you can throw at me. And so Paul was an awesome example of someone who lived with this greater purpose mindset. He didn't just sit back and, and, and sit on the sidelines and watch other Christians do this. He was on the very front lines doing it himself. And so uh, we're actually going to read from 2 Corinthians 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> and we're going to read a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, the church in Corinth, uh, they were an interesting church. But Paul loved this church. And, <clears throat> and they had a lot of division in, in what they were doing. And Paul's like, look, if you really want God to use you as the church, you've got to get rid of some of this division. And, and, and really, here's how you've got to live with this greater purpose. And so that's where we kind of pick up in 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to read really quick. From verse 17 through 21. I'm reading from the ESV version. So just want to throw that there. Y'all read along with me. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ... He reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ and God is making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And this is the good news of the gospel right here. Verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Y'all pray with me real fast. Father, we just want to pause and just thank you for your goodness. God, for your, your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For your call in our life. Father, I pray as we dig into your word. That it lands on fertile soil tonight, Father. That, that, that you give us the ears to hear your message tonight. That we will truly understand when we leave here what our purpose is. That we have a greater purpose than what the world is ever going to throw at us or tell us. Our purpose is from you, God. So help us truly understand that. And as we understand it, help us apply it in what we say and what we do. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Um. So really, if, if you've, you've probably read this text before, this text really defines for us uh, the mandate that every Christian has from God, the, the, 
the purpose to engage in the ministry of reconciliation, to proclaim the message of reconciliation, and thereby we're functioning as an ambassador for Christ through whom God is conveying his message. Um, That's really the whole point of this text. Um, It's really a broader view of the Great Commission. And y'all know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. God comes, or Jesus comes to his disciples. He said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, therefore, I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in my name and, and, and teach them everything I've commanded to you. He's telling them to go. It's an active command that God gives us, that God gives the believers. Or maybe in Acts 1.8, before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he comes back to his disciples and they're kind of just uh, sitting on their hands and going back to fishing after he had already resurrected. And he comes back and says, hey, I have a job for you to do. Don't forget, this is what I've called you to do in Acts 1.8. He says, and when you have received, the, uh, when the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, if you're a believer, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that power has come upon you, he says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, hey, if you get time, or maybe when you feel like it, or maybe later down the road when you're like this really super Christian, he says, you'll be my witnesses. No, he's saying right now, he's saying, hey, guess what? Because I have saved you, I have called you, and here's the purpose. He says, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's no accident that, that, that you heard the gospel. Matter of fact, many of you here tonight, if you're saved, it's because someone physically told you the gospel and you received it. And so those few men who Jesus used to grow the early church, it spread through the power of the gospel, through the power of the message of reconciliation that we have to, with us today. And it hasn't changed. That's why, that's why it's the good news. So um, this, this message really is, is, is a message that is an active message. It's not like Jesus is saying, hey... Uh, because you're a new creation, you know, it'd be really cool if uh, you could, like, kind of take that message and go tell other people about that. That'd be really cool if you could. No, no, it's, it's active. He's like, hey, listen, because I have changed your life, this is the message I've given you to take. Many people ask, hey, you know, why am I still here on earth, right? Like, have you ever wondered, um, once Christ saved us or once God saved us, why doesn't he just take us right into heaven, Right? Have you ever been there? Maybe you like you're like me in college, and you wait till the night before to write a 25 page paper, and uh, which I worked the best the night before. Is anybody else in here? Like I don't know what happens, but I come in like this machine, like like smoke's coming from my computer, um, and uh, and you're like, God, if you came back tonight, I would not be mad. I'm not gonna lie because this paper is not gonna write itself, and I gotta pass this class, right? Uh, any of y'all ever been there with your studies and stuff? Or, or maybe you're like, man, I've just had just the worst day or my boyfriend broke up with me and like we texted like 27 times and, 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 and we like dated for three days and it's the worst ever, okay? <laughs> or, uh, or maybe uh, you have some just whatever, anxiety. I know, gosh, being a, a college student brought, still brings so much anxiety and I'm 31 years old. And I'm like, why am I still stressing over this stuff so much? Because this is who we are. And so a lot of times we're like, God, I, just take me home, please. I'm, I'm tired of, of living this life. I'm tired of struggling to pray. I'm tired of struggling to, to read the Bible. I'm tired of struggling to, to pastor middle school students. God, I want a new body. I'm getting old. I'm not the same 20-year-old that I used to be, right? I can still dunk on middle school students. But, you know, anything past that, it's like, okay, I know my limits now. One day I'm going to have a new body. But have you ever wondered why God doesn't just take us up right away? It's because this is our purpose. 
to take what he has given to us and give it to other people and tell other people about it. Because one day in heaven, think about this. We're never, when we get to heaven, you're not going to have to tell people that they need to be reconciled to God. Because there's not going to be no sin in heaven. We're not going to have to do that. So here, God say, I've left you here for a reason, for a purpose as the church. And if you want to live as the church, this is what your purpose is. We must understand that. Matter of fact, Paul states at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 5 that this, this body this, is really just like a tent. Matter of fact, Pent, Paul was a tent maker as, as a job and, and while he was going out. But, and so he, he gave this um, picture of, 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 this, of our body only being this tent. We're only here today, but you know, one day we're going to have this glorified body. And so, but the reason why we're not taking it to heaven because this is why. And that's where we get pick up in verse 17. So um, what's, what's the word reconcile, if you read this passage it, it, in, in a roundabout way, it, it, the word reconcile is mentioned about five times in, in this passage. So uh, it's easy to see by reading this passage that that is the context, that is the point of this passage, this word reconcile. It literally means uh, to restore, to uh, it gives a sense of changing position. So before, uh, Richard, I'm talking about myself here, before I came to know Christ, don't miss this, Scripture says I was the enemy of God. And when God reconciled me to himself, he made me a friend of God. And so... That's what this word really, recon- reconciliation, re- to reconcile something means. And if we, are, if we are to truly understand what our purpose is as believers, we must really first understand that God has reconciled us and he has given us a new life. This is my first point, that God has given us a new life. You can write that down. I'm not sure if they have the stuff on the board or on the board. What am I talking about? On the screens. You don't have them? That's cool. Or maybe y'all have them right there. Does Brandon have them up on the screens usually? I'm not as cool as Brandon, so I was just asking like, if y'all had them. Um, but y'all should have a little note thing. So, yeah, it's my first point. Uh, if we're going to understand we must, uh, that, that why God has reconciled us, us to himself, we must understand it's because he has given us a new life. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is so good, y'all. Uh, this really understanding that I was once an enemy of God and, and then God reconciled me to himself, made me a friend of God. He's literally made me a new creation. He's given me a new outlook. He's given me a new view of the world. He's given me um, new desires, right? He's given me the mind of Christ now as a believer. God promises that uh, when, when, whenever he saves us, he gives us a new creation. He, he gives us his spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living in us as believers. And that's what gives us the power and the boldness to do what he's called us to do. And so <clears throat> we, we must really understand that and let that be. Don't miss this. That, that is what our motivation is. Right? That is what our motivation is for, 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 for fulfilling the greater purpose in our life. Our motivation is that we've been saved. If you're like me, sometimes we kind of get over our salvation. Have you ever been there? Like if you can... Remember back, some of y'all may have just been recently saved, but some of y'all have been saved for a long time. Um, if you can look back and remember when God radically saved you and he changed your life, he interrupted your funeral, he called you from dead into life. And I think back and I remember how on fire I was for God. I wanted to tell all my friends, all the ones I was out partying with, hey dude, I'm not going to the party this week, I'm going to let me tell you about Jesus, bro. 
Uh, that was my motivation because, because God changed my life. And so over time, life happens and, and, and things kind of get in the way. And we kind of forget. We kind of get over our salvation. And I just want to encourage you guys tonight. Think back to when God saved you. When God saved your life. When he's called you from death into life. He's made you a new creation. And allow that to be the motivation to fulfill the purpose that he's given you. So that first point is... <clears throat> Not only uh, has he given us a new life when we are reconciled to God, but he's also given us a new position. That's the next thing you write down. He's given us a new position. If you read in verses 18 through 21, it speaks about this position, but we're going to read verse 20, though. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So our new position as believers, because we have been given a new life, We've also been given a new position. That new position is we are ambassadors for Christ. Many of y'all know what this, this term means. It's still used today, as a matter of fact. Uh, the United States, we send ambassadors all over the world to represent the United States to other countries. <clears throat> and so it's the job of these ambassadors to speak with these other diplomats of other countries uh, uh, and convey this message that our, our country has given them to say. An ambassador is someone who speaks wholly for his king or his government. He is the mouthpiece of his sovereign. And he never utter, utters his own thoughts. He never makes private personal offers. He doesn't give personal promises. He doesn't make personal demands. He represents his sovereign. The good news is we don't have to share our, our own message. We don't have to like dress it up and make it look cool. We don't have to like add anything like this funny line to it to, to, to uh, really impress people. We don't have to do none of that stuff. We've been given this simple message. And God says, okay, I want you to take that message. And you speak on behalf of me. And that's actually good news because, um, because we don't have to add anything to it. We must remember that. When people reject the message of the gospel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God and, and, and his word. That was, that's some of the best advice I got in seminary. Um, our president, uh, I'm trying to think how you say this word, uh, emeritus? Yeah, President Emeritus, he founded Mid-America Seminary where I went to school. He was 92 years old. He was still teaching a class on evangelism. He was, I mean, he had stories about evangelizing and sharing the gospel all over the world. And, and, he, used to, and he told us this. And I'll never forget it. He said, hey, look, you cannot fail when you share the gospel. And I told this to my students all the time. Just share the gospel. Look, if they reject you, don't get your feelings hurt. Like, dude, did I not say it properly? Or did, what, am I not, like, cool enough? Or No, 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 no. You share the gospel. You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to dress it up. Just share the message of reconciliation. And God is going to do the work. And you never fail when you share the gospel. So don't let the fear of rejection, don't let the fear of what someone's going to think about you stop you from sharing this message. Because that's what a lot of believers do today. If we're honest. If I'm honest. So, um, I think about this, this position that he's given us. And, and I always think about, God, why, why have you given me... Um, this position. Have you ever thought about that? Like, why, why, God, why have you called me of all people? I think back to when I was in high school, and if, if, if you would have told me then in high school that one day I was going to be, like, preaching God's word to middle school students and, and, and uh, teaching the, um, 
the commands of Christ and, 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 and discipling students and all this stuff, I would have laughed at you because I was like, there's no way. God, I'm not, I'm not the coolest. I'm not like the, the best looking. My wife tells me I am, so I believe it. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I don't, I'm not the best communicator. I'm probably like the worst qualified person for this job, as a matter of fact. So why are you using me? Why? And it's cool to think, uh, under this new position, uh, we must consider this. To kind of answer that question, we must remember that God is the initiator in all of this. In fact, matter of fact, in verse 18, Paul says, that's the next thing you can write down. God is the initiator. In verse 18, Paul says that all things are of God. So when it comes to reconciliation, which leads us having a new life and a new position, it must be understood that God does all the work in salvation. I know y'all just read through Romans 3. And if you read through that passage, it says that there is no one righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God, no, not one. And so God says, hey, I know you weren't going to seek after me, so I came seeking for you. As a matter of fact, I love you so much, I sent you my son Jesus to reconcile you to myself. See, God sought after us. And that's, that's why this is beautiful. God is the initiator. Not only is he the initiator, the next thing I want you to write down is God is the imputer. <clears throat> now let me explain what, what this word means. Some of you are like, what does that even word mean? And when I say the imputer in the middle school room, they like laugh. Like you said poot, right? Um, <laughs> you got to watch what you say around middle school, I'm telling you. Um, so God is the imputer. Verse 19 says, mentions that God does not impute the trespasses and sins upon those who come to him by faith. This term uh, imputing, it means to take inventory or to place upon. So I always tell my students this. I always, say, I always like to, to give a picture of the gospel. I say, picture this as a, a, a book. And this book is filled with all the sins I've ever committed in, in my life. It'd probably be a lot bigger than this. It'd be like a huge dictionary, probably. Uh, so all the sins I've ever committed. And so when God looks at me, he sees my sin. He sees the guilt of my sin before I become a believer and a follower of Christ. But when I gave my life to Christ, on the cross, it says he took upon us the sins of the world, upon himself. So when I gave my life to Christ, I gave my sin and my shame and my guilt to Jesus. And Jesus, his righteousness was imputed to me. It was given to me. So now when God looks at me, he doesn't see all my sin. He sees his righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. So at the, at the time of your salvation, we are imputed the righteousness of Christ. And this is good news because I feel like a lot of people, you may be out here tonight and you may be thinking, man, I, I, I'm just not... I'm not there. I'm not this like super Christian. Maybe some of these authors that you read or some of these pastors you see on TV or you hear about like at Passion and other, and, and, and really I have all this sin in my life and God can never use me. And so you kind of just sit in your shame and your guilt and God's saying, no, no, no. I don't look at you and see all your shame and guilt. I see the righteousness of Jesus and I've called you to something greater. I've given you a greater purpose. Matter of fact, verse 21, it, it, it talks about that imputed righteousness. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's good news, y'all. Amen? That God can look at me and say, yeah, you're way underqualified. I'm not going to lie. You are. I'm like, you're right. Um, but guess what? In spite of all your weaknesses, in spite of your failures, in spite of you just totally not being cool or anything, I'm still going to use you in some incredible ways if you're willing. 
And you don't have to sit in that shame and that guilt that the world is telling you or that Satan is telling you that, 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 that you're sitting in now. There's freedom in Christ. So don't just like just mope around like, uh, I can't remember the, the guy from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. Yeah, Eeyore. She'd be like, oh man, I'm just, you know, I sinned like one time this morning and like my world is done right now, man. And I'm like, no, like I don't want to sin anymore because Christ has saved me, but I'm also not going to let that stop me from, from living for him. Because Christ, the good news is, I have the righteousness of Christ. That's salvation. We're a new creation. So, um, not only is God the imputer, but the third point under that is God is the employer. He's the best boss that you'll ever have. Any of y'all ever had some really terrible bosses? Yes. Yeah, Brandon was a middle school pastor before I was, Delia. So, that, is that what you're talking about? Chick. Delia said yes. Um, yeah, we've all had terrible bosses, but the good thing is we work for the best boss, right? And it's not like work, like, well, gosh, I got I to gotta get up and, and go to work and clock in and out again. No, no, it's like, God, I get to live for you today. I get to do what you called me to do. That's the greatest thing in my life. It's the greatest purpose that's ever been given to us. <clears throat> so we understand that God is a, the employer and he opens up doors. He closes doors. Uh, he gives you the platforms to stand on. He says, if, if I can trust you with the small things, I'm, I'm going to trust you with even greater things. And so God's saying, hey, I'm going to use you in some incredible ways. I'm, go- I'm going to employ you to take this message to the ends of the earth. But you've got to be willing on your part. And that's where we get to our next point. So not only um, are we given a new position, we're also giving a new responsibility. That's my third point. This responsibility is the responsibility that comes with being the one who is reconciled to God. It's our responsibility as believers when God calls us. And so under that responsibility, I want us to look at two basic responsibilities. Two basic responsibilities that we see here. The first one is the ministry of reconciliation. So we, we know what the message of reconciliation, the message is that we are a new creation um, and, and that God has made us new. And so that's our message that we take that, hey, God can, can change your life. That's the gospel. But in that, we have this ministry that we are given as well. As ambassadors of Christ, our responsibility is to not only be inward focused. So as the church, it's cool to have all these, have our own like ministry, right? But really, we also need to be outward focused. Our job in the ministry that we have as believers is to go take this message and reconcile sinners to God. That's, that's the message that we have. And take this to the ends of the earth. I always ask my students, why is it so hard for y'all to share the gospel? To even like share your testimony. Why is it so hard? And they're like, well, well, for one, um, I'm scared what they're going to say about me. I'm scared of rejection. All right, we already checked. We already knocked that out. You know, you don't, don't ever let rejection stop you from sharing God, the, the gospel because they're rejecting God's word, not you. Um, but what else? And they're like, well... Honestly, I just don't know what to say. Have you ever been there? Like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, what if I mess up? What if I stumble? Uh, what, what if I, like, you know, leave something out or, or what? And, and I tell them this all the time. If you really want to teach someone something, you have to really know it yourself. You can't teach someone something that you don't already know. Matter of fact, it reminds me, when I was living in Memphis, going to school, I was working at this church. Um, and, and, and this ministry that I had in the church was this, this big recreation ministry. So I love sports and, and ministry. So that it was like, man, it's right up my alley. So I was serving there and, um, 
I remember we, we had this big basketball league, and it was like everywhere from like five-year-olds all the way up to adult leagues. And I can remember we had this coach. He had to drop like a week of practice, like the next day practice was starting. And he was coaching this 12- and 13-year-old boy basketball team. And his job, like suddenly just he had to move away. And like, Richard, like, you work here, right? I was like, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, we're going to need you to coach this basketball team. So uh, I don't know if you know, um, I never played basketball in my life. So <laughs> uh, now I played like in, in the driveway, like growing up. I, I knew about basketball. I could watch it and tell you what a foul was, what a travel was, and all this other stuff. So I could play, but I never played like organized basketball. I didn't really know the, the, the rules. I couldn't teach someone like how to run a play, how to, a, a pick and roll. I couldn't tell you none of that stuff. And you want me to teach 12 or 13 year old kids? Like, this is when they're, like, really learning stuff and the basic fundamentals of basketball, and you want me to go coach them up? Dude, you got the wrong guy. And like, no, we got the right guy because we're paying you, so you're going to do it. So, <laughs> so I remember thinking, gosh, I went home, I was telling my wife, and she was laughing at me. And um, I, I was like, well, I'm going to do what I got to do. And so I went on YouTube. And uh, you can learn anything on YouTube, I'm not going to lie. Um, sometimes not the good stuff. But um, so I went on YouTube, like, hey, What's basic, like, plays and, like, what, what are the, the bonus fouls? Like, what even is that and, and why? Okay, like, what, just, I just want to teach basketball. What do, I, what do I need to learn? And so I just started digging into videos and writing stuff down and, 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 and thinking about it. And so my first practice, man, I was ready, right? I saw I had this really tall kid. I was like, y'all just give the ball to this kid, okay? <laughs> and he would just put it in the basket every time. Now, I'm not going to lie, we won the championship because of him. But... Um, <laughs> And it wasn't because I was a good coach, but I was thinking, guys, it's, it's just like this today with the gospel and this message of reconciliation. We don't share it because we don't know it a lot of times. And just like when I was coaching, if I wanted to learn how to really be involved, not just sit on the sidelines and watch it on TV, but if I really wanted to learn and get in the game and make a difference, make an impact, I had to really learn the game, right? I had to learn what I needed to say, what I needed to do. It's the same thing with this message, guys. If you really want to make an impact as a university student, as this next generation who's going to take the charge of the gospel, man, prepare yourself now. Know what your testimony is. Man, go home and write that down. Practice it. Get, you, you should be able to give people this like this long, like too long story of your of your testimony. And it's like really short version when they like got to go because you're at their door. And they're like, I got stuff cooking, bro, so hurry up. Um, and, and, and know what the gospel is. Preach it to yourself every day. We must know what it is. You can't teach some, someone something that you don't know yourself. I like this word in verse 19. Uh, this word, it says, um, he was entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. This word entrust is really a banking term. Um, uh, anybody like a banker in here? I thought, didn't Levi, weren't you working at, a, are you still working there? So I don't know if you ever heard this word, but um, let's say I like go to this bank, okay? And I give him like $100,000, okay? Um, well, that's probably too much. I'm not that rich. So I give him $100, that's probably more like it. And I say, hey, take my $100, bro. And I want you to just keep it in this account. I don't want to touch it. But if I ever want, want to buy 100 chicken nuggets, it better be there, Okay. And so let's say I go to buy these chicken nuggets and uh, I'm like, dude, my card's bouncing. What's up? What's going on? Is it the new chip reader? What's, the thing never works, right? And so what's going on? And I call my bank up and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, dude. We had to take like $25 out of that, bro. 
I'm like, dude, first of all, I only had $100, and you took $25, okay? That's a lot of money. And, uh, but I entrusted to you this money, and I expected that it would not change. And that's what God is saying, uh, Paul is saying here, hey, we've been entrusted with this message. It hasn't changed since the early church, and it hasn't changed now, and it's never going to change. God's word is never going to come back void. Matter of fact, the only two eternal things in this life is humans and God's word. It's going to go on forever. And so we don't have to change this message. It's already there. We just have to know what it is, right? We don't, we don't, again, we don't have to dress it up. We don't have to make it look cool. We don't have to put some skinny jeans on it. We don't have to do anything, okay? We just say, hey, here's the message. God's going to do the work. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to be a vessel. That's what we're looking at. So not only do we have under the new responsibility the ministry of reconciliation, we also, it's our responsibility for us to be reconciled ourselves. It's the last point. To be reconciled <clears throat> ourselves. And here's what I mean. Some of you, you may be wondering why. Man, why is God not using me? Why am I not really seeing a lot of fruits? Why are my desires still like, I don't really desire to share this, this, this word. The, the message of reconciliation. Now I just want you to just, I'm not, and I'm not like calling you out or anything. I just want you to really think. Have you personally been reconciled to God? Like, have you personally gave your life to Christ? You can't go take the message of the gospel if you're not having had your life changed yourself. You can't go tell people, hey, God can change your life, bro. It's like, oh, what happened with you? Well, I don't know, really. But I'm just, just telling you, it can. All right, I just heard about it, okay? But no, how much better is it if we've been changed ourselves, if we've been reconciled ourselves? Dude, let me tell you all about how Christ changed my life. Here I was, here's who I was before Christ. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And here's who I am now. A little crazy still, but God's doing some incredible things. So I want you to just kind of just, man, I hope this message makes you really pause and think. Right, have you been reconciled yourself? Have, has God made you from enemies of him to a friend, to adopted sons and daughters of him? The next thing, and don't miss this. This is important for us as a ministry here, as the church. We must be reconciled with each other. You see, there was a lot of division in this church, and Paul was like, look, you have all this stuff going on, you're arguing, you're bickering, and, and, and you're not fulfilling your purpose. It's because you're not reconciled yourselves. And if y'all want to really, as a ministry, be used by God, we, you must all be reconciled and on the same page. Some of y'all, there, you have some differences with some other people in here. I, don't, I just know there's drama everywhere if people are involved, okay? Especially middle school. But I know for sure university too, okay? Some of y'all tonight, you need to go re- reconcile that relationship with somebody. That friendship that you had. I mean, how, how are you going to say, hey, you need to be reconciled to God when you have people in your life that you're not even reconciled with? How can you expect God to use this ministry if, if there's so much division? I'm not saying it's in here. Um, I'm just saying like sinful people, we, we mess things up. If we're involved in it, it's going to be messed up in some ways. So it's, it's important for us to remember. Not only we must be reconciled ourselves, but we also must be reconciled with each other. And understand, hey, we're on the same page. So when I see my brother who, who is like, man, he's, he's, he's like Eeyore, right? He's like living in sin and shame and all that guilt. I'm like, bro, like, get up. You know, I'm praying for you, bro. Let me encourage you. We have this message. Let's, let's go do it together. Or I'm praying for somebody, or, or I'm giving financially to send somebody to take this message. All this is this was so awesome about, about being the part of a church. 
is that we all play a part in what God is doing in this purpose that he has given us as the church. You're either giving at one point or you're going. There is no just sitting back in, on the sidelines and letting other people do, do the work. So I want to encourage you in that. <clears throat> I'm going to ask the band to come back up and make their way up here. Um, I remember in, in school, I was taking this missions class, and we, I had the opportunity to write a paper on a missionary that we, we got to kind of pick out who we wanted to write on. And I came across this guy uh, named John Patton. He was a Scottish missionary. Um, yeah. And um, it was back in the 1800s. And I really liked him because he had this really sick beard. Like, it was, like, way down here. So I was like, man, this dude's cool. So, but his name was John Patton. And so John Patton lived in Scotland, and he lived in Glasgow in, in the mid-1800s. And he had this really booming, like, uh, ministry. He wasn't like a pastor, but he was, like, ministering to people on the streets and other things like this and, uh, and orphans and other things. And for, like, ten years, he had grown up this ministry, and God was doing some incredible things. And it was at his church. He heard about these two missionary men that went to this island called the New uh, Hebride Islands. They've never had any outside people come to them at this point in time. And so these two men, their ship, they landed on this island. They got off on this beach and they met these, uh, these local indigenous people who lived there in the New Hebrides. And immediately they were killed and they were eaten. These were cannibals that lived there. And he heard this at his church. And his immediate response was, God, I have to go talk to those people. I have to go uh, share this message of reconciliation with those people, with these enemies of you. God, I have to go tell them that they can become friends of you. And so um, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes he has, he's at his church and he's like raising up support. And um, he's telling the church, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm called to go. I understand I have a greater purpose than what's here in Glasgow for me. I want to go. I understand what my purpose is. And so um, he's telling his churches, and this old gentleman stands up in the back. And he says, John Patton, the cannibals, you're going to be eaten. And so his response to him says, Mr. Dixon, he says, you are advancing your years now, he's an older gentleman. And your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. And this is what he says. He says, I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the greatest purpose he ever had. He says, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. He says, and in that great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. So it doesn't matter what's going to happen to me. What matters is if I'm fulfilling what God has called me to do. If that happens to me, it's all good, bro. Like, this is what God's called me to do. And so I'm just answering that call. Uh, this, is, this is the purpose that God's placed in my life. And so I'm doing that. And I don't have time to really go over a lot of his life. But just go home and read about John Patton. They landed on this beach in 18, April 16th, 1858. Him and his wife married. They were newlyweds. They landed on this beach and they weren't immediately killed. They built this little house and he was like farming. And he had, he had all these these uh, indigenous tribal people uh, around him all the time with spears just looking at him. And he would pray to them. And he started giving them fruit and, and, and other things. Eventually his wife uh, got pregnant with her first son, Peter. And a week after she gave birth, um, she passed away. 
uh, I think she had like uh, yellow fever. And not too long after that, his son, Peter, passed away. And I remember uh, reading his words. And he's, he's writing this journal. And he's like, God, I know you've placed this purpose on my life. Just give me the strength to continue doing it. And he talks about how he had to lay on the grave of his wife and his kid. So they wouldn't dig up their bodies. That's enough to make anyone say, God, I know you have a purpose, but I'm, I'm done. I'm checked out, God. I can't do this anymore. But if you read what John did, he went on and, and, and eventually went on to say thousands and thousands of these people come to know Christ because of his faithfulness. Because he understood what his purpose was. And no matter what life threw at him, he stayed faithful in that. I got to you tonight some of the university students. You have all these different things. All these, uh, the world is telling you this, to be this person, to look like this. If you want to be successful, you have to do this. And don't miss out on what God really wants to do in your life. Now, sure, we need golly doctors and mechanics and teachers. But don't miss out on what the purpose and what he's called you to do right now. And that's take this message of reconciliation and take it locally and to the ends of the earth. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life. We're going to have a time of response now. I know some of you may be here tonight. And you may be thinking, man, Richard, if I'm honest, you're talking about being a new creation in Christ and, uh, and God has reconciled us to himself. And if I'm honest, I, I've never really done that in my life. I've never given my life to Christ. <laughs> I don't know what they typically do with their response time here, but I'm going to be standing right here. Um, actually, I'm going to be standing in the back. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. If, if, if that's you and you want me to pray with you, I'd love to do that. I'd love to show you what scripture says, how, how you become a child of God, how you can give your life and commit to Christ. I would love to walk you through that. Some of y'all here tonight, and you're running from the call of God. Some of y'all, God's calling to the ministry. God's calling to the ends of the earth. Some of y'all, God's calling to stay here and be faithful here. Whatever that is, during this response time, I just want you just to give that to God. Stop running. Say, God, I just want you to fulfill your purpose in me, and I want to do it right here in Lubbock, right where you have called me at this university or this college or wherever, God, I just want to be faithful to you. I just want i just want to be a blank check and I want you to write that check and I want you to cash that check. That's what my life is and that's what I want it to be. So during this response time, if you want to come back and pray with me, I'm going to be standing right back there. If, if, if you need to come down front or to the altar or whatever, just whatever God is calling you to do in this response time, let's listen to him. Let's respond to what he is doing and let's join in together with this message of reconciliation. Let me pray. Father, we are so grateful that you've entrusted to us the most important message. Father, the message of reconciliation that you are reconciling sinners to yourself. Father, the good news is that you sent your son Jesus to take our place, to give us his righteousness. So, Father, I pray for these students tonight that, that your word 
will affect them in such a way that they can't help but go. That they can't help but be convicted on what they're not doing. Father, I pray for some of them tonight, they're searching for answers. They're searching for what you wanted, uh, the purpose and what you want to do in their life and the calling on their life. I pray that you make that evident and clear tonight. I pray for those students here tonight who don't know you, who have never given their lives to you, who have never repented of their sins, committed their life to you. I pray that you convict them where you're at. Father, you encourage them. You give them the boldness to come speak to me or whoever back there, Father. Father, I pray you help us remember what this message is and what it means. And as you are sending us, I pray that you give us the boldness. Father, you employ us. You open up doors. You give us the platforms. Father, help us be faithful to you. We thank you for what you're doing in this ministry and what you're going to do. And thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.